You are now listening to the On Cue Performance Therapy Podcast, where the worlds of sports medicine and performance collide. My name is Mike Quintins. I'm a physical therapist with an entrepreneurial mindset that specializes in treating orthopedic and sports injuries. I'm bringing on the brightest and sharpest in the field of sports medicine to share their best practices and explore the gap where medicine meets performance. What's happening in Performance Therapy Nation? This is Mike Quintins, your host of the On Cue Performance Therapy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Caitlin Kowalki Comfort, who is a uh, running coach who's absolutely aces. Um, this is uh, this has been exciting. Uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while. It's more my fault than anything else with the new clinic and all. We've been putting it off. So I- I'm stoked to have you. Um, so we're going to get into a little bit of everything. We're going to get into uh, programming. We're going to get into training, personal training, doing virtual personal training now, um, and just your experiences. Uh, my wife, Melanie, um, who's a Boston qualifier officially now, has um, – you know, been working with Caitlin for years and it, the success has been amazing and uh, I full support of Caitlin. So this is this is super exciting. Um, but before we get going with the intro and all, I, I want to thank all the listeners because um, without the, without you guys, none of this is possible. So I think this is a gem. Uh, this is going to be a gem of a podcast for, for everyone to enjoy. So uh, let, let's get into it, Caitlin. Um, so, oh, absolutely. This is, uh, I'm stoked. Uh, Caitlin won the Illinois state title in cross country her junior year of high school. She went on to run cross country at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where she became a two-time second team All-American and a two-time Big Ten champion in the 5,000 and 10,000 meter events. Upon graduating, Caitlin began a professional running career and took on a volunteer coaching position at uh, for the UW women's cross country and track team. Caitlin then went on to a prof- went on to be a professional runner. She transitioned to the half and full marathon distances. She uh, attributes many of her successes as an athlete uh, to the support of her family, her collegiate coach, Jim Stincy, uh, and former coach, uh, but forever friend, Stephanie Rothstein Bruce, uh, who's a sub-230 marathoner. Today, Caitlin continues to run. Caitlin lives uh, just outside of Madison, Wisconsin, with her husband, Tom, her two beautiful daughters, Rose and Joanna, and her stepdaughter, Stella. At the uh, 2018 Madison Marathon, she qualified for her second Olympic Trials Marathon uh, on February 29, 2020 in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Caitlin towed the line with two of her Wisconsin-based athletes uh, who she tr- has coached to the Olympic Trial uh, qualifying performances. So uh, without further ado, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm yeah, really excited and happy to be here. This is, uh, this is cool because I feel like this is a... Uh, uh, a field that is growing. Uh, I think vir- virtual everything, obviously, since COVID. Melanie worked with you a ton before COVID, and now, as since we found out today, qualified for Boston uh, this upcoming fall, right? So, so I know she's getting back on the wagon. She's kind of she's getting over having our, our daughter uh, Alina. So um, I know she's she's been running a little bit. So I know she's getting it. So this is like perfect timing, and I'm yeah. thrilled for our listeners to you know get an idea of what what you do so um welcome to the podcast and um so let's talk like right from go like where did you get your passion for for running yeah so um i grew up with three brothers um and two very active parents um my mom was always always running i mean she was just like a busy body around the house all the time but um she was very active she loved to run um she would start her day with you know, I think she was running maybe like four or five miles um, every day, but she ran every day. She loved it. She came home. She was always in a great mood. And that just kind of set her up for, um, you know, just set her up for the rest of her day. And she, I just saw how much, you know, joy it brought to her life. And so I think that kind of grew on me a little bit. Um, and then I think I started, like, I, I, ran in like little kid races when I was probably three or four years old. There are pictures of me just having a great time at these little kid races, um, just across the street from, from my house growing up. Um, I think they're like, you know, 800 meters long, but, um, so that's, I think when the, when the seed was planted, but then I, um, uh, I started doing soccer, uh, I think started when I was in third or fourth grade and, I played soccer basically from third or fourth grade um, up until my freshman year of high school. 
Um, and I just love to run. I love to run on the soccer field. Um, I love to run pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Um, I tried, I think like every sport there was and soccer and running were the two things that stuck with me. Um, so yeah, I think soccer honestly was, um, where I learned that I could, I could run for a long time. I was a left midfielder. Um, and so, yeah, I, my coaches, you know, I wasn't necessarily the biggest player out there, but I could run for a while. <laughs> so I think my coaches, you know, liked that about me. Um, so that's when I think I knew I really, um, I had a, you know, I, I had potential um, in the sport of running. I just didn't know, you know, was it going to be cross country or track or, you know, what was it going to be? Um, so I think that it started with soccer. And then when I went to high school, um, I chose to pursue uh, track instead of soccer because they were both spring, um, they were both spring sports. So it was my sophomore year. I, um, I no longer was doing soccer. Um, I did both cross country and track. Um, at, at what point while you were, while you were, I guess, c competing, right? When competitions actually started, at what point did you realize like, all right, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> um, it was probably, probably in middle school when I really started to, um, kind of get a little more serious about, about running. Um, and I think I, you know, I won maybe the first couple of meets, um, and they were small, they, they weren't anything crazy, but, um, I think I won by a decent amount. And so I think it was then when I, when I realized, you know, I might have, I might have some talent here. <laughs> um, and then when I went to high school and, um, I ran cross country in the fall, that was, um, I think that was when I really knew, um, I, I had a future in running. What's your, what's your favorite event? Right. Aside from the, you know, forget the half and full right now, but like, what, what's your favorite event? I honestly, I, I loved the 10 K in college. Um, in high school, I think the longest we ran was, was three miles. So that was three miles in cross country right. and then on the track. It was, it was two miles. Um, but now as a, as a seasoned marathoner, I look back and like, I don't think I could run a 5k really fast anymore. <laughs> My fast twitch muscles just aren't, they don't work as well as they used to. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a different system that you're using and training it differently. Yeah. That's the other part of it. Yeah. So if it's not the half or the full, it'd probably be the next longest distance, which would be the 10k. Okay. So if it's half or full, if it's between half or full, which one are you taking? Oh, honestly, I love. I love the half marathon, to be honest. Um, and I maybe part of that is coming from my last two marathons were so painful <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm not soured at all um, by the marathon because I do love the marathon, but the half is such a fun distance. And um, yeah, and it's not, you know, Melanie knows this too. Marathon training is so time consuming. Like you really have to dedicate, yeah. you know, the time, the energy, um, you know, to putting in the work for uh, a race that's 26.2 miles long. So the half is a little bit, you know, friendlier, I guess, from a scheduling perspective. And, um, you know, when you're out there, it's it's a grind, but it's not as much of a grind as America. Yeah, I would imagine it's um, less grueling um, yes. is probably a, a word I, that comes to mind, at least just from, yeah. not from personal experience, but from, from watching, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, you're right. The time that goes into training for a full yes. marathons, uh, yeah, it's a different animal. Um, all right. So we mentioned Joanna and Rose and your, and your stepdaughter, Stella. So what's it, what's it like being, being a mother and, and training? Cause I, I know Melanie told me this and I mentioned this before, um, like, like Olympic trials, like, like <laughs> that's a word that was said. So, so tell me about what it's like, uh, being a new mom, uh, and you've been a mother for a few years now. Like, what's that like? Like, what's it like training and them yeah. watching you and, and everything else? Yeah. yeah. So, um, right after, uh, my first daughter, Rose was born, who's now, um, she'll be two in, in August. Um, but right after she was born, I was actually, um, I, I was on maternity leave. I was still working full time. Um, I was a, an insurance coordinator at a financial advising company here in Madison. So I was doing that. And then I was also coaching on the side. So coaching was kind of my side hustle apart from my full time job. Um, and then, you know, I, I wanted to compete at the trials because I had qualified 
and I didn't want to, I didn't want to regret at least not trying to, to train and to make it there healthy. Um, and I knew it would be a stretch because, you know, she was born in, um, she was born in August and the Olympic trials were in February. So I essentially had six months to, you know, make sure I was healthy enough to, you know, to start training. So I waited, I waited six weeks, um, before I, before I started running. And then basically when I got the okay from my doc, um, I, I essentially started training right then and there. Um, and it was hard because I, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was, um, I was still giving, you know, my time and attention to, you know, my husband and my daughter. And, um, and then I also had my full-time job and, then coaching, like I wanted to make sure I was present for all of my athletes and that I was, you know, keeping up with their plans. And so I just felt like there were a lot of things kind of in the mix. And I felt, I felt like, honestly, like the weight of the world was on my shoulders for a little while. Um, but then I, I had made the decision to quit my full-time job. Uh, so my last day of that was in January, um, end of January. And then the trials were in, um, at the end of February, so I essentially had one month where I'm like, okay, I can focus on coaching. I can focus on my family and I can focus on training. And I think once I did that, I, I just felt so much better, um, you know, about where I was at in my life. And, um, and there were a couple blips there too. I, I slipped on some ice when I was um, doing a workout in preparation for the trials. And so I had two weeks where I had to take off and I was, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to go to the trials. I had a like pity party for a couple of days, but you know, I ended up just taking two weeks off and it ended up being fine. So, um, yeah, there was just a lot of things in the mix, a lot of things going on. Um, and you know, now I, I feel like, um, since I'm just basically coaching full time, I'm mommying full time. I have like my priorities more in order and I feel like I can balance, um, I can just balance my life a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Like there are times where you're like, gosh, am I giving everyone the, the time and the attention they deserve? Like my, my children, my husband, my athletes, like I want to always give a hundred percent to everything I do. So when you feel like you have so many different things and so many different people in your life to take care of or, um, you know, it can, it can be hard, but I feel like I'm in a better place. <laughs> it, I, there's so many hats that, and I've seen it with Melanie. It, there's so many hats that you have to, that you feel like you have to wear that. And that well, you do have to wear, uh, to an extent. Um, and there's weight on your shoulders with that. That's maybe somewhat, uh, self-inflicted, but you, that's, but it drives you. That probably is my guess. Uh, I know Melanie's like that. She'll put pressure on herself, but that is what, Make sure I get up at four thirty in the morning to go run yeah. twelve miles. I, Which is amazing. I still don't know how she does that. <laughs> I, I try not to think about it because it's dark and she would wear <laughs> she would wear a miner's light, you know, around her head, and it's uh, I would get up at five thirty and she'd be walking in with his light. Um, but it's it's uh, I admire it, and it's uh, yeah. it's it's one of those things where, uh, again, being a mother. And, uh, and providing for your family and, uh, being present for that and your husband and your wife or in your, in your children and competing. And you have clients that are looking up to you and saying, okay, like, how's Caitlin going to do it? And they're like looking up all the results. Like that's, that's a lot of pressure and that can be a good thing, but it can also, um, like you said, you felt like the weight of your, the world was on your shoulders. I, I can't imagine, uh, what that was like. And, um, and you excelled, like, you, you know, you did great and you battled through it. So kudos to you for that. You know, I'll, Thank you. I'll, I'll say that I want that to be loud and clear. That's, um, that's not, it's not easy, uh, especially for women, uh, who are mothers nonetheless. So, um, kudos. Uh, so how did you get into, into coaching? How, like, I, I know you said you were about, you had, I mentioned earlier, you were a volunteer. Um, so like, how, and how did you get into like the, like virtual or like, you know, the type of coaching you do now? Yeah, so it actually all started um, at the University of Wisconsin where I went to school. Um, my coach would have me help out with like recruiting visits when, um, you know, when I was, it started probably when I was uh, either a freshman or sophomore in college, but, you know, he would have recruits come in for, for official visits with their parents. And, um, 
you know, he would ask me if I would come along to these dinners and just, you know, tell the recruits about my experiences and basically try to try to get them to come to Wisconsin. Sure. <laughs> um, and I, I really enjoyed that. Like I, I, um, I loved talking with, you know, these young kids and um, telling them about my positive experiences, um, you know, within the program and at the school. And, um, you know, I, I found it. I just found it really rewarding, especially if one of the one of the um, recruits ended up coming to, to the school. I felt like, you know, maybe I had a little something to do with that. So I thought um, the recruiting aspect was really fun for me. And um, so that kind of started to draw me into uh, coaching. And that's why I volunteer coached. Um, that was in the spring of, of 2013. Or no, that was in the fall of 2013 because I had redshirted. Um, or I used up all of my eligibility in cross country and I had a fifth year in track. So I volunteer coached in the fall of 2013 and, uh, I really enjoyed it. However, that's when I started to kind of see, you know, maybe there's more politics kind of behind the scenes that you don't necessarily, um, see as an athlete. Um, and, you know, which is surprising because cross country and track are non-revenue sports. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, is this going to be for me? And, you know, I loved my, um, I loved my head coach, the guy who mentored me, Jim Stinsey. Um, but, and, and there weren't like politics involved with him at all, but it was just, it just wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. Um, and not, not all in bad ways, but, um, you know, and then I started to think, okay, I see how much time my coach is spending here with us and he has a family I see the you know men's assistant coach is a young guy and he you know I think is getting married and wants to have kids and um so I knew that um it would be a very it would be a very challenging job if you want to have a family and if you want to spend time outside of you know uh, outside of the team that you're coaching so that's when I started to kind of rethink you know is coaching on the collegiate level, something I want to do. And ultimately I decided it wasn't. Um, and so when I started running professionally after I graduated, that, you know, thought in my mind was still kind of there. Like, how can I coach? Like, do I want to coach maybe on a high school level? Do I want to coach, you know, maybe at a small, you know, college or university? Um, so that, that thought was still kind of there in the back of my mind. And then when I, um, kind of hung up my professional running shoes in 2016 after the Olympic trials, um, I decided that, you know, why can't I just start my own business? Why can't I just coach athletes like my former coach, Steph, Steph Bruce coached me basically using a, a spread, uh, Excel spreadsheet. So I'm like, I could do, you know, something like that. I, I know a lot of people here in the, you know, in the state of Wisconsin and, and Illinois, where I'm from, who I think would want, you know, my coaching services. So, um, so yeah, I basically just started my business in 2016 and then it's kind of evolved, um, over time. And like you said, kind of with the, um, this virtual, uh, you know, training aspect growing, um, and now with COVID, there's just a lot of different layers that, um, you know, that coaching involves. So, so yeah, so now I'm here and I've got athletes in here in Wisconsin and and you know in Philadelphia and in California. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool that the, the kind of evolution of it. And I I understand uh, yeah. po- I understand the politics uh, that you you speak of um, in in the time that goes into recruiting and compliance yeah. and yeah. I mean all the above. That it's just it's it's a it's difficult. I admire uh, it, it, what coaches do is at all levels, but especially at the collegiate level, because um, I mean, the, the reality is, especially in a, a field like 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 or like a sport like track and field, the pay, they're not getting paid millions of dollars like like exactly. some you know like the Alabama head coaches or like you know some exactly. of these for football, yep. and it's it's just um it's different. So it's uh, but this is this is unique because at least in my opinion, maybe it's becoming more common, but for you to customize programs for multiple uh, runners based on what their upcoming races or what their goals are is um, like, that's not something like an app can help you with, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So, which is everything is like automated, and what you're doing is very unique. And uh, you have you had conversations with Melanie, you know, I think once a week or once a month, and it's and you kind of discuss a, a ton. And I want to get into that, but um, that's uh, good for you with this idea and I and and what what it's turned into for you. Um, so, so what services do you provide for your athletes? Yeah, so um, I offer tailored monthly running plans. Um, basically for runners of all abilities. So that could be someone who's completely new to the sport, um, who hasn't run a step in their life, but is interested in starting and, you know, maybe making some changes to their lifestyle. Um, or it could be an avid runner with a lot of experience who's just trying to reach that next level of fitness. Um, so I think we kind of already touched on, um, you know, the distance I, the distances I coach, but I do specialize in, in distances ranging from the 5K to the marathon. Um, although I really do love creating um, plans for the half and the marathon distances. Um, and then I also knew, uh, kind of new to my offerings, I, um, I offer remote strength, um, strength training as I um, received my personal or certified strength um, trainer certification um, in July of this past year. That, that's cool. Um, that, that's, that's special. That's, I mean, and that's a lot too, to be customizing programs from a 5k to, uh, to a marathon. If someone wants to, uh, just, I want to get into running. I don't have a, like my, I have a goal, but I don't have a race I'm signed up for. Is that someone that would also be a, a potential client for you? Um, yeah. So are you asking, uh, like in regards to the strength training? Yeah, no, I'm in regards to just run, like running, like you wanted to program and if, if someone wanted programming for, uh, just, I want to get in better shape and maybe oh, they do sure. want to do the, maybe they want to do the personal yeah. training as well, but they don't necessarily yeah. need to have a race scheduled at exactly. some point in time. Yeah. yeah. So I have, um, I actually have a handful of athletes right now who, um, who don't necessarily want to train for anything. They just want to train for life and just be, you know, fit for, um, you know, for their, for their kids so they can chase their kids around or, um, you know, maybe someone has high blood pressure and they want to, you know, just live an, an active lifestyle and they necessarily don't want to, you know, go try to run a, a fast 5k. Um, so yeah, and I love, I love working with, um, with those types of individuals because they're, you know, intrinsically motivated. Like I feel like it's almost harder to train for something when you don't have something on the calendar. Right. Yep. So, um, I, I really enjoy working with those athletes too, because they just want to, they just want to be better, um, in all aspects of their life. I find that uh, I have patients, uh, I'll bring the PT component into it for a second. I have patients that will say, I'm like, so what are your goals? I want to get back to running. Do you have a distance you want to run? Like, what do you want to get to? Yeah. No, no, no. I just want to run again and I don't want to get hurt doing it. And, and that's what, that's what you do. I've seen you work when you work with Melanie, like that yeah. a big part of it is, okay, how do you feel? What's bothering you? What's not bothering you? Yeah. How can you modify? I mean, on the fly, like you got, you've modified, like you, <laughs> Melanie's texted you early in the morning, like, all right, this is bothering me today. What do you think? Yeah. And you're like, all right, tweak it to do this or modify yeah. it to do that. So, yeah. Uh, if, if, if nothing else, uh, maybe there's not a race in the, you know, in the near future, you're developing programs that aren't, I'm going to run 2.5 miles every day for the next, you know, three months. It's all, and it's so you reduce the risk of injury while optimizing performance. Is that, would that be fair, fair to say? Exactly. Yeah. All right, cool. So what, what are some of your training philosophies? So what do you, where does your programming come from? Uh, how do you develop these programs? Yeah. So, well, a lot of it too depends on, uh, it depends on the individual. It's like I said, my, my plans are very tailored to the person and, um, you know, what they're doing day to day or do they live a, a busy lifestyle? Are they, um, you know, do they work full time? Do they, um, yeah, do they have kids? Um, the main philosophy, like before I even talk about programming is, you know, I want, and I sound like a broken record because I, I say this often, but, um, you know, I want running to fit into my athletes' lives. I don't want their lives to revolve or try to fit into, fit in or around their runs. Um, because for a lot of my athletes, I would say probably most of my athletes, um, you know, running is their outlet. It's something they love, something they enjoy. So when 
running becomes a chore or a burden, which, you know, has happened to me in my, you know, gosh, 20 years of running. Um, it has happened to me and it's not, it's not fun because running is such a big part of me. Um, and you never, like, I never want my athletes to get to a point where they start to dread a run. Um, so that's why I work with the individual to kind of figure out, you know, does it make sense for you to run three days? Does it make sense for you to run four days? Does it make sense to you for you to run every day of the week? Um, so I, you know, take into account, um, you know, their running history for one, uh, you know, any medical, medical conditions they might have their goals. What races do they want to do? What, what do they want to accomplish in three months? What do they want to accomplish in six months? Do they want to work with me for a year? Do they want to shoot after, you know, a big goal in this next year? Um, you know, are they injury prone? So there are all of these, um, you know, all of these factors that come into play when, when I'm programming, um, you know, these, these plans for my athletes. Um, so really first and foremost, it, it requires me to get to know my athletes on, you know, um, a pretty deep level. How, how is your programming different from what someone would, obviously you're taking a lot into account all the variables, right? But how is, uh, I feel like you can like people Google running programs. We're doing a 5k for our company, IV rehab. We're doing a 5k it's virtual. And, uh, they're like, you know, click here for the online program. And it's whatever, you know, it's like super like general. <laughs> so like, so how is, are, do you have any specific philosophies like shorter runs during the week, longer run on the weekend, um, yes. recovery the following day? Is there anything that you have that is, that you, um, I guess comes to mind that's different. I, I'm not as familiar with um, like principles of programming. Like maybe it's like yeah. named after somebody or something like, or like yeah. different types of programming, but is there any uh, type of principles that you apply uh, yeah. to, to programming? Yeah. So for someone who, um, you know, let's say wants to train for a marathon, for example, and a lot of my athletes are, um, are marathoners or are training for a marathon within the next year. Um, so as I said, everyone's plan is different. However, there are, um, you know, a couple of things that, um, I would say they're my rules of thumb. So, yep. um, easy days, um, you know, should always be easy. Sometimes I'll, I'll tell athletes like no faster than, you know, eight minute pace for, for a day after a hard quality session. So, um, you know, I typically schedule, um, at least one quality session, um, you know, that could be a tempo, that could be repetition work. So maybe like eight by 400 meters with a 400 meter jog recovery, um, with a warm up and cool down, or it could be a tempo day, like I said, where you run, you know, three miles at your goal marathon pace, um, you know, with a warm up and cool down. So that's the quality session during the week. And then, you know, you either have a rest day or a cross training day, um, or easy runs surrounding, surrounding that quality session to make sure that, you're properly recovering before your weekend long run, um, which is, you know, obviously one of the most important um, days um, that you need to be prepared for when you're marathon training. Um, so long run, quality session, rest days, sometimes cross training days. Um, but yeah, taking the easy days easy. I always do recommend keeping at least 48 hours between that quality session and then your long run day. Um, to ensure that, you know, you're, you're fully recovered, um, you know, after, so say you do your quality session on Wednesday and your long run is on Saturday. I want to ensure that you're recovered going into that long run, um, you know, so your mechanics aren't compromised and um, you're not feeling over, overly fatigued. And, you know, because when that happens, um, you know, you risk bonking in that long run. And then what happens when you bonk, your confidence goes down. So I'm all about you know, creating, um, creating programs that, you know, are going to challenge, um, the athlete, but also build confidence while also, you know, keeping risk of injury, um, low. There is always risk of injury with a sport like ours, but, um, I feel like, you know, my athletes can benefit from having like full access to me. They can text me, you know, if something comes up and maybe their foot hurts, I always tell them, like, I can't know how you're feeling. You have to tell me. So if you wake up, you know, on Thursday morning after a hard workout on Wednesday and your foot hurts 
but you go and run, you don't tell me, and then it hurts worse, you know, later that day, you know, then you're kind of digging yourself into a hole. I would have told you, hey, let's take the day off. If your foot hurts, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, you know, take the day off, maybe see how it feels tomorrow. Um, you know, and then that's when people like you come into the picture. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I really like, I really drive home the importance of commun- communication, um, you know, between my athletes and myself. It's, you know, the, the more information, the more communication I'm getting from my athletes, the better coach I can be. Um, and you know, the better I can, I can help you. I I've seen it firsthand. Uh, you, you are second to none at communication with your athletes. I've seen it with Mel, uh, and she like always good feedback. Sometimes a conversation, sometimes it's, you know, a few text messages, uh, and it's, it's real, it's kept her healthy. Like Melanie has been healthy. The one time she, she did experience a stress fracture, literally she changed her running technique. Like that's what it was. And she did it for too long a period of time. Uh, and it had nothing to do with the programming. So, um, so I, yeah, it's, it's, that's legit. That's pretty cool. Thank you. What, what are your, like, what are your cycles in? Like, do you have like, like periodization cycles that you type to, that you typically recommend? Um, yep. does that question make yeah, sense? So, yeah. So for a marathon, um, it could be anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks. That's typically, um, that's when we start getting into like the nitty gritty of, of mar- marathon training. Um, you know, the first, I would say if we're doing a 16 or 18 week cycle, you know, the first, you know, four weeks might be more, um, focused on base building, um, with one quality session during the week. And then maybe the next four weeks, maybe I throw in a tempo within the long run. Um, and that depends on, you know, the athlete and, um, their running history. Can they handle, you know, more quality within a long run effort in addition to their Wednesday workout or their Tuesday workout. Um, but yeah, typically my marathon cycles are anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks. Um, and then half marathon training is closer to like three to four months. Gotcha. Um, that's cool. Now, if you have someone for, uh, like a a year, right, let's say Mm -hmm. in like Melanie's considering running and choosing run Boston in the fall. Um, if you wanted to start now, I guess that's May. So we're talking four months. We're probably there, but if it's eight months away, how now would you just do two cycles? Is that typically what what you would do? Or if it's eight months away, I would say, um, you know, and especially if, so let's say it is, you know, someone who had to take a, a period of time off. Yeah. Um, I'd say the first like three months, maybe first two months, just strictly base building. So you're just running easy miles. Maybe we start adding in some strides after, you know, six weeks. We start, you know, um, trying to get those legs turning over a little bit, introduce, you know, some faster pace work. Um, but yeah base building for, you know, maybe two weeks or two months, two to three months. Um, and then maybe we start adding in some hill work to, you know, make sure, um, that individual's form is, um, you know, is okay. Um, and then yeah, adding strides in, um, yeah. And then, you know, maybe we do like a fun 5k, like time trial effort or 10k effort. Um, but yeah, it all just depends on, it all depends on, I guess, what they're trying to achieve. If, if that, if that goal race is eight months away, we can break it up where you have, you know, maybe a, a week rest period after four months and then we get into four months of marathon training. So if you're trying to, uh, if you want to speed up, like, let's say like Melanie, I, I saw it work, uh, firsthand, she went from 228. I'm sorry, 328 to 315 when she ran Chicago. And that was over the course of like a a few months. I think it was like four months, three months, something like that. Um, What, what would, what do you feel like you should change to get that kind of like, what what would you change in someone's running program to optimize performance or speed? Right. Like obviously you want to reduce rate of, you know, risk of injury. But if you're like, if that is like super low, you got some no history of injury, you know, they're like a machine, so to speak. Like, uh, is it like more tempo runs? Are you like increasing? Like, like, what are you doing that's different? So it could be, I think with Mel, what we did, I think we increased mileage a little bit for her. Um, And then we 
did more tempo, um, more tempos within her long run. So um, she had her quality session in, during the week. Um, so that was typically, you know, maybe some speed work, um, maybe intervals, maybe 800 repeats during the week. And then, um, you know, and that, that, and that varies week to week. But then on the weekend, what we did, I think, with her was um, we added quality within maybe her 16-mile long run, for example. So let's say she had a, um, she did four-mile warm-up, and then we did three by two miles at goal marathon pace. And I think with her, too, and this, is, this goes for all my athletes, but I do typically try to, um, uh, I recommend adding either like time trials into, um, a period, like a period of time, um, or into, into their marathon buildup. So I can kind of get a feel for where their fitness is at and, um, you know, talk with them is, is your goal pace? Is this realistic? Um, because I don't want, I don't want to discourage an athlete, but I also, I also want to motivate them and, and help them believe that they can achieve hard things. So as a coach, you know, you have to be, you have to be realistic, but you also have to, you know, um, build confidence and, um, make sure your athletes believe in themselves. So that's part of, um, I think part of why I, I add quality sessions into long run efforts because you're kind of getting, you know, you're getting the quality, um, and the volume in on, on one day. And if you're doing goal marathon pace work your body and your mind both get a feel for hey what is this pace going to feel like on marathon day um and then when you can achieve that workout your confidence is at you know just through the roof at that point um so with mel i i remember like workouts for her when we did quality within the long run and she's like wow i felt amazing and um again it's just those were really great confidence boosting workouts and um obviously they made her really fit too so um and there's a fine line with those two I don't think I did them every weekend um sometimes I'll do every other weekend where we'll do quality within the long run or um and again it just it, it depends on the person but Mel handled those workouts great and um yeah and she was able to run a, a 315 marathon yeah it was uh I could yeah I couldn't believe that I I'm like a good, like I'm a nut when it comes to her, like her marathons. Like I would literally, I want to see her like eight times if I can. Uh, and I remember Chicago, like bouncing around and I had her parents with me. So usually I'm like coming around on my own, but I had them with me. So I was like, come on, we got an Uber like around the corner. We hop in, we got to go. Mel would show, would send me videos or I'd look at them on her Instagram and you'd be screaming in the back. And I'm just like, yes, I love that. So supportive. Well, she was always in she was always, she went to all my football games. So I, you know, I got to be there for her, but it was cool to see. Like, I remember like, look like there's apps for everything now. So I remember being on the app, like, holy smokes. Like she's like, yeah. These are, this is like a wicked pace for her. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I remember we jetting across town and like, I'm like, come on, keep up. <laughs> like, like yeah. So it was, it was cool to see that she was hitting some of those paces and didn't look winded. Didn't see any like, yeah. didn't see any like lateral, like movement with her running. Yeah. She looked like it was great. Um, and so, so that's, that's cool. So you find what works, uh, you tap into it and then you regulate yeah. it as you can in yeah. physical therapy. We constantly reassess, right? Like, so if it hurts to touch exactly your toes and that's what Just you're doing, yep. that's cool. That's why I, I think that's why I like it so much because it's, it's fluid in many ways. Um, and it's not so cut and dry. Like, I think, you know, that makes me different from, you know, other coaches is, um, in addition with the communication, like if, like I said, if an athlete tells me, Hey, I'm just feeling super burnt out. I don't know if I can do this workout this weekend. I just say, that's fine. Let's run easy miles, you know? So I really, um, I really do try to take that feedback from the athlete and, and run with it at times. And other times, you know, I'll, I want to maybe schedule a call like, Hey, are you, are you feeling motivated? Are you, um, you know, do you want to do this? I like, cause I never want to make someone run. Like it, they should want to run. <laughs> um, and so that's the other, you know, that's a whole other can of worms, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
I mean, I think you, you nailed it. I and mean, that's why I've seen it firsthand. Like I said, like it, Melanie would speak to you and you would, you're constantly asking questions and Melanie's explaining to you how you feel. The, an advantage a coach has when they're coaching in college is you're like, they're present. They see your body language. They have conversations with you. You don't have that luxury most of the time. It's a phone call. You know, most of the time with Melanie, it was like later at night. And, uh, and you're, you're judging, you're modifying a program solely based on the 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 numbers that they're how they're performing and and what they're verbally telling you like you don't see the body language which i would imagine in person is a huge tool um so so are there any other things that you depend on other than feedback from your clients and, and how do you get like the results of their numbers like do they do you want them to download an app how do they get that to you that information yeah so i use um v.02 app have you you heard of it? I'm familiar well, with it, yeah. Use. Right. That's what Mel uses. Yep. Um, so, um, so, yeah, I use that, and it's great because it can, um, it syncs up with Garmin. So, I can, it's, it's a platform for both the athlete and the coach. So, we are looking at the same screen here. Um, and then, basically, when they go for a run, and the run is over, their, their data goes right to the app. So I can literally just go on and click on their day. So say mm. they had a 45 minute easy run. I can go look and see what their paces were. And, um, so similarly, if they have a hard workout, I can see, you know, I'll prescribe, you know, say it's six by 800 meters at, um, you know, 320 pace or something like that. Um, I can go and, and see, what they hit for each interval. I can see, I can look at their recovery jogs, you know, how, how high was their heart rate on that recovery or how high was their heart rate, um, you know, during the, during the fast repetition. Um, what was their cool down? Were they basically walking their cool down? That means they probably were cached um, by the end of that. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, so all of these factors and, and the heart rate too, like with, watch heart rate monitors, as I'm sure you know, they're not super accurate. So I kind of have to take those numbers with a grain of salt. Um, and again, I rely a lot on, on feedback there, but it can give me an idea of how hard someone was working, um, in addition to like pace variations and whatnot. Um, so I take those numbers and then, um, and then their, uh, like race performances. So with, um, V.02, the, the cool thing is, um, it does give me pace recommendations based on like their previous, um, uh, a previous performance. Um, so it will give me pace recommendations for like threshold training or, um, marathon training. And like, if we wanted to do a marathon pace workout, um, or, uh, repetition pace, for example, maybe they're doing 12 by 400 meter repeats. So there are these different layers to, to the app, which I do really like. However, I don't live and buy, I don't live and die by those pace recommendations. A lot of the times I'm tweaking them to make them more like 10 K pace versus, um, threshold pace, for example, or, um, you know, somewhere between 10 K and half marathon pace. So I like to play with the, the pace calculator. Um, but yeah, I do really like this app because the athlete and the coach can see the same things. Um, we can communicate through the app um, really nicely. And then, um, yeah, it's just, oh, and then also the nice thing with this app too is you can download, my athletes can download the workouts that I prescribe. They can download right to their watch. So um, like I said, if I had an athlete do a six by 800 meter workout it will beep it will tell them if you have a garmin watch it will beep at that first interval okay go so you don't even have to look at your watch and then it'll beep when you have to stop um so i really like the ease of that for my athletes it's just it just takes out kind of that hassle of of them having to think about the run they could just go and run um so that's that's a big reason i i invested in this um in this platform and i really like a lot of Jack Daniels training philosophies. He was a, um, an exercise physiologist and um, he's trained Olympic runners himself. So um, I've read a couple of his books and um, 
so yeah, I, I really like the platform. I like what he stands for. I like a lot of his training principles. Um, and it's, it's been working nicely for my athletes too. I, I've gone on a few runs with Melanie. Usually she'll start like, uh, an hour before I do and I meet her on the, uh, like on the way back and then I'll run with her. But I've witnessed like doing like the, the tempo runs at the very end with like the, you know, with a few of the sprints and the beeping and it, it like, it, it works great. Like it, it, yeah. it is, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, how, how it all works. Like literally that simple. Like it just beeps on its own recovery yeah. time beeps yeah. again. And it's like, it's like, okay, all right, pick it up. And she'll be, she'll look at it. Yeah. She'll go, all right, three more seconds. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had asked her the one time, like, are you programming all this? Like based on what Caitlin tells you to do? She's like, no, yeah. it's all automated. It's all done. Yeah. So yeah. that, that's an awesome resource to have that I'm sure your clients yeah. love because it's le- literally, they just like get, get like go, <laughs> get, yeah. put on the watch and go. <laughs> that's cool. So, um, yeah. that's awesome. So, I mean, I feel like you've hit on so much. What, um, are there any, I'm an advocate and you are too, obviously you're a certified personal trainer. Uh, I'm a big advocate for like cross training. I feel like I've had so many patients come through my clinics that have gotten injured from running. And yeah. they said, well, like I'm running. Isn't that exercise? It's exercise. You're not getting stronger when you run, right? Like, so, uh, like maybe you're building your cardiovascular, like endurance and aerobic endurance, but you're not strengthening muscles that tolerate the load you're putting them through. Right. Exactly, yeah. So how, how can, have you obviously you're a personal trainer now as well. So like what resources do you recommend? Uh, like how firm are you on some of that with your clients? Are you like, listen, for you to like inhibit or stop yourself from getting hurt again, like you have the history of, you need yeah. to do this. Like, how do you go about that? Is that, do you feel that way? What, like, what are your thoughts on cross training? Yeah. So I think cross training is just a great addition, honestly, to any running program. Um, you know, I have a handful of athletes who, and Mel being one of them, even though I'm not working with Mel right now, but um, I have a handful of athletes who bike once or twice a week um, in place of running. Um, you know, and obviously running is a high-impact sport, so especially if you're doing high mileage, um, you know, you could be you could be putting your, your body at risk, um, and you're, you know, more susceptible to burnout, too, if you're doing higher mileage weeks, but... Um, you know, I try to find ways to keep my athletes off the pavement while still, you know, maintaining fitness, um, and sometimes even improving fitness. Like I have athletes who use the Peloton like Mel. Um, I have an athlete who rows. Um, I actually, I ran my best half marathon when I was rowing once a week at the gym. Um, you know, so there's definitely, there's definitely evidence there. Um, you know, and I haven't done a ton of research myself, but I do know that, um, just running isn't going to make you faster. It's not, not going to make you, um, you know, less susceptible to injuries. Cross training, I think, and, and strength training too are, are things that you can do to improve. Um, if you're not doing them now and maybe you've hit a plateau, um, or maybe you're feeling burnt out, you know, add a day of biking or add a day of swimming, add a day of strength training, or just do something different, um, and see if that, see if that helps but I do recommend my athletes um you know and and it's hard too because some of them are very busy some of them don't necessarily have time to go to the gym or and some of them don't have access to a bike or to the pool um so I have to work with my athletes in that way but you know if an athlete doesn't have um access to equipment I'll say hey maybe um you know, let's go, if, if you have just a bike that you can go ride around in your neighborhood, not necessarily a stationary bike, you know, maybe just go jump on the bike for a day instead of doing this 30 minute easy run. Um, and then in regards to strength training, um, as I said, it's fairly new to my offerings, but it's something I do always tell athletes who reach out to me who are interested in running. Um, I do say it's something I recommend. I don't try to, you know, pressure them to work with me. I just, I, I tell them that it's, it's something that you you should consider if you want to, um, stay healthy because again, running is just, there's that risk there with how much we're putting our bodies through, especially, you know, road racing. Um, and yeah, it's just a high impact sport. So I am a, I'm a big believer in getting off the pavement once or twice a week, um, doing something other than running. I, I have found, I've gotten more and more interested in like running mechanics 
and like the pose method and like just like all these different types of like I guess approaches or philosophies on like running technique and form. Yeah. And uh and Are you again familiar with Jay DeCary, I think as you say this last I I know that like I know the name. I feel like yeah. I, I've read about him. I don't I forget all, all the details. Um Tell me why, why, why do you bring it up? So, well, so if you're if you're interested in running mechanics, yeah. um, so my chiropractor, uh, I see him once every every month, um, and he recommended a book to me called Running Rewired, and it's by Jay DeCary. Yeah, how you, his last name. So yeah, um, that's where I saw it. About how um, yeah, it talks a lot about our posture. Um, uh, you know, yeah, our our mechanics while we're running aren't necessarily coming from like if our if we have poor mechanics, it's not coming from because we're running poorly. It's because maybe our posture is is terrible, or um, yeah, maybe we're lacking single leg strength, or maybe we have weaknesses in our feet and ankles. Uh, so that's a great book, and I I've kind of. Um, skimmed through it. I want to uh, do a little bit more um, in-depth reading on it, but um, but it's got some great info, some great resources. If you know, if you're interested in, in running mechanics yeah. um, or anyone else listening, it's a it's a um, I think a great resource. Awesome. Now, I'm, I, I, I've heard that book before, uh, maybe even one of the podcasts, and that's probably that's probably where I know the name. Nice. It's uh, to me that's. I think uh, a source of a lot of injury, sometimes not necessarily just loading or volume. I think it's uh, the manner in which we tolerate or perform that volume uh, and how we absorb forces uh, through our body and produce forces as volume increases that just like a muscle will break down eventually, whether it's a tendon or a muscle or, or bone even. Um, So if we can, if we can uh, modify running, technique so to speak and maybe it's only for 10 percent of the volume or for 50 percent of the volume and not 100 percent right away then i think we, we will yield greater performance and minimize the risk of injury is that is yeah. that something that you have to deal with a lot i would imagine like i feel like the posture like everyone's sitting down on a, on a yeah, zoom call terrible posture right now. <laughs> well, you're, so now we'll sit up nice and tall i like So, so like, how often does injury come into play with your running, like with your with your clients? I would imagine it's got to be almost a constant struggle, uh, given posture. So right now, I have so I don't have any athletes currently who are hurt. Um, I do have one athlete who was working with me um, last year, and she actually ended up. uh, tearing her ACL during just an easy run. Um, so, or sorry, during she tore her meniscus um, just during an easy run. So this poor girl, she's a friend of mine. She lives here in Wisconsin, but um, she's actually going through surgery right now. But I haven't, I haven't worked with her since last September when it, when it happened. Um, but that honestly was, <laughs> poor girl, she probably would hate to hear this, but that's the worst injury that I've had an athlete suffer. Um, and, you know, there have been, there have been, you know, bone-related um, injuries like Mel had a stress fracture. Yep. I've had a couple other athletes have um, stress fractures. Um, some athletes have, have dealt with, like, sciatica issues. Um, but, honestly, it's not as, it's not as common as you might think. And I think Again, I'm just so, um, I'm really firm in my belief that if something, if something just isn't feel right, isn't feeling right, um, you have to let me know because I'm just going to tell you, you need to take some time off. If it continues, you need to go see a PT. Um, you know, if you're running and you feel like your form is all wonky or you're favoring a, a you know, certain leg or you're favoring the, the leg that's, you know, maybe not bothering you, um, you know, then you risk your mechanics and then you could end up hurting something else. So, you know, I am just like, I'm a really big believer in, uh, you know, not pushing through pain, being really smart, because if you have to take a couple days off now, that's way better than having to take, you know, eight to 10 weeks off, uh, you know, a couple weeks from now. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, injuries have happened. It sucks, and I feel for my athletes when those injuries pop up. But I think with the amount that I'm communicating with my athletes, we can we've been able to minimize that risk and you know avoid some some you know bad injuries happening. Yeah, it's it's to me it's a nature of the beast, right? Like like yeah. you 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 don't go to a marathon and not see everybody limping afterwards. Like like yeah. like you know like that's just and if you can get to that point and finish the race, awesome. But it's yeah. uh you know like there it's just a nature of the beast. People are you're like people are going to get hurt if you can minimize the risk or mitigate right. the risk. That phenomenal. That's great. Right. Um. So I, I kudos to you. If if a meniscus tear is the worst injury, that that's pretty damn good. Um, well, I used the bone injuries. The bone well, injuries are pretty bad. Well, it, like, it, and what's it? Fracture sucks, but. She had to get surgery for it. Yeah. So, so here's the thing with stress fractures too. Um, maybe you've seen this. When the, the likelihood of getting a second stress fracture after the first one is like, like wicked high. Like I'm pretty sure it's like over fifty percent or sixty percent of people who have suffered a stress fracture from like yeah. like repetitive act activity, uh, related activity. They're like fifty percent or sixty percent more likely to get a second one. So if you're only seeing one stress fracture, that's pretty good. Uh, and I yeah. can again tell you firsthand, Melanie train through it by running on our like we have an ultra g treadmill an anti-gravity treadmill and on the peloton so um it's so like yeah. you worked with her her programming she was getting her mileage in on yeah. you know on our ultra g or anti-gravity treadmill so um yeah. yeah you're as flexible as they come I, I don't know how you have the time to to modify programs like almost daily and based on the feedback you're getting from your clients so you have to be wicked efficient at everything in life and you're only raising three kids no big deal i have two little ones at home so uh, that's uh it's uh, amazing i i think um I think the world of what you do and how you do it. And, uh, it feels like you, people have access, your clients have access to you at all times. So that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, I just, when I'm sleeping, I won't answer. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> well, that's good. Phone, phone is like out in the kitchen when I crawl into bed. <laughs> but, but other than that, yeah, they, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I've become really close with a lot of my, a lot of my athletes and like Mel, I would consider her a friend now. And, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you would text Mel like the morning of her race, after her race. Like you're you're in the loop on all of it, so that's that's really cool. Um, so this is something I've been doing uh, for a few podcasts now. Like I, the quick five. So um, right, let's get your hot take on it. Um, what is your five k PR personal record? Uh, I think it's a, it's either sixteen oh seven or sixteen thirteen, and I don't know why I'm. I don't know that answer, but it's either 1607 or 1613. And that was it. Um, uh, when I was in college, I think it was my senior year or my fifth year at UW at Iowa State, I believe. Okay. All right. Uh, how about uh, marathon PR? 23529. That's, that's wicked fast. Uh, all right. Uh, in programming, what is one thing that you do differently now that you didn't do five years ago? Uh, probably the, the app that I use. So I was doing Excel spreadsheets, um, when I first started my business. Um, and now I'm using, uh, VDOTO to Jack Daniels training uh, platform. Awesome. Name one attribute every successful runner has. Perseverance. Most significant lesson learned from coaching. Uh, you, you can't make someone want to run. Oh, good. I, good. Good for you. Right. Uh, amen. Um, what, what, one book you recommend on running? I, I, you mentioned one earlier. Is that the one you're going to go with? Uh, yeah. And um, Science of Running is a good one by Steve Magnus. I think, I think Mel may have read that too. All right. Maybe. All right, sweet. Uh, yeah, I've I've talked about books in like every podcast. I think what what like what a great resource. Uh, there's information out there like from and yeah. like an expert. So why why aren't we utilizing those resources right. and take from it what you want and toss out what you don't exactly. want? So exactly. yeah. um, cool. Uh, I that's everything I got. I feel like um, I feel like we could probably do this for hours. How do our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, what's the, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, you can. C-A-I-T-L-I-N at fearlessfeetrunning.com. So that's my email. I'm, I'm pretty quick to uh, respond on that. Um, otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm uh, Kate Kowalki on Instagram. 
Awesome. All right. So we'll have all that information in the show notes. Uh, is there anything else you want to add or, or throw in there? I, you know, I always leave it up to the guests and, you know, close out with any, any remarks or any other thing that they want to discuss. No, just, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to, yeah, to talk to, you know, people who are just interested and, you know, I've loved working with Mel and I've heard so much about you and <laughs> I just appreciate how supportive of your wife you've been because, I know that she couldn't have done a lot of the things she's accomplished without you. So um, I'm going to tell her you said that. All right, good. I'll take that. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's really, it's just cool to like, I just feel like I know you both, even though I haven't met you in person, I feel like, you know, it's, it's been pretty cool. So um, yeah, just thanks for having me. And um, if anyone has questions, feel free to email me. Awesome. I echo the same thing about you. It's been uh, really cool to see Melanie uh, persevere through things and uh, challenges, whether it's emotionally with running or physically with running. And you've been I'm there every step of the way. She's achieved heights that I, I and her, like she never, we never imagined she would. And I give it all the credit uh, to you. So um, kudos, keep doing what you're doing. And um, yeah, you know, better believe that my, my patients are going to be, you know, using you as a running coach in the future. So, um, this is cool. So, uh, awesome. Thanks again. And, uh, that's a wrap. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for listening to the on cue performance therapy podcast. If you'd like this episode, please subscribe on Apple podcasts and Spotify. It would mean so much to me if you could leave us a five-star review. So more listeners like you could get this important information. See you next time.